For this episode of the podcast, we've got Cody Carl and Jason Barnes on the show. Uh, Cody won the BFL Regional out at Eufaula in Oklahoma, and Jason won the Regional at the Potomac River. Uh, So we're going to kind of dive into both of those in some detail, meet a couple of guys who had not only really good seasons at the BFL level, but also won really important tournaments and are qualified for the All-American. So, uh... It's a little bit of a lower level dip than maybe we're used to, um, but uh, if you were here in the FLW days, you know Kyle and I used to talk BFL a lot, so it's kind of a nice little return to that, and something that I hope to keep doing throughout the rest of the uh, regional season, so to speak. So uh, anyway, here you go. Alrighty, and we are joined now by Jason Barnes of North Carolina, who... uh, Brought home the win in the uh, BFL Regional on the Potomac River. Uh, moved from ninth to first on the last day, which was huge. Uh, Jason, man, congratulations. Phenomenal job. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, what was it What was it like to, to win one of these things? Because this was your first BFL win. You know, you've had some top tens. You've had some good finishes before. And you did just win AOI, but... You know, winning a regional three-day event, uh, it's a kind of a big deal. Yeah, it was really something special. Um, I put a lot of work into fishing, especially the BFLs over the years. Um, I fished them for quite a while, and I've always felt like I was right in contention several times. I've had a couple top tens and stuff, and I I told a lot of my friends, I was like, man, I don't think I'll ever win one of these things. And they were, you know, they tell me just keep keep going whenever it's your time it's going to be your time and i just kind of trusted the process and uh luckily it worked out on this one and um it's pretty good pretty good feeling to walk away with the win especially of that magnitude in that tournament um i'd say it was a good one to win for the first one yeah i mean if you're gonna win if you're gonna win one you might as well win a regionally that's one too where like you know the difference between uh, first and like tenth in that is like just about sixty grand, which is a pretty solid, uh, pretty pretty key part of the uh, equation, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, for sure, the money's a, a significant factor. Um, but going into that tournament, when I, you know, my initial intentions were just try to make the All American. Um, I've been close one other time at coming eight, and that was a long ride home, and I was even thinking then, you know, I was that close and it's so hard to compete, um, with the level of competition these days. And, you know, I was just kind of hoping that at some point I would get back to have another shot at that all American. So it's finally starting to sink in that I'm actually going to make it into the all American as well. Yeah, no, that's uh that's super cool too. Um, have you, uh, the all American, is it at Cherokee or Douglas next year? I, off the top of my head, I forget which. Yeah. Have you been there before? I mean, that's really not that far from you. I've never been there. Um, I've been doing some looking at it on the internet so far, just to try to get an idea of what it may be like, but I'm definitely looking forward to getting there. Nice. Um, I guess while we're, while we're kind of scattered around the tournament, tell me 
uh, and I want I do want to dive into the event, but tell me a little bit about yourself because we talked just a, just earlier, and you had a I don't want to say you had a tumultuous season, but like you had a lot happening to you this year. It's it's been a busy year. Um, so a little bit about myself. Um, I've always I've fished the BFLs since I was 16, starting out as a co-angler. Um, so I've been involved quite a while. Um, and graduated college, and my initial plan is I always wanted to go fishing um, full-time, but just resources weren't quite there, and I kind of saw that it may be best to try to lean more towards building a career. Um, so kind of focused on that and went to work, and luckily within the last few years, the company I work for, they, they're pretty flexible, and they allow me to go fish, and I've had the opportunity to fish a lot more than I had previously. So I've tried to capitalize on that and, um, have been doing a lot more. So, um, that's kind of a little bit about me. I work for a construction company. Um, and I've got a wife and a little girl, Willow, um, that we just had about five months ago. She's a little over five months old now. She was born like a week or a few days before one of the events this year. Yes, sir. So going into the season, um, I was looking at the schedule when it came out, and her due date was initially initially May 22nd. And I had wanted to fish the South Carolina division of the BFLs, but the regional there goes to Norman, which is right down the road from my house. Um, so the due date of my daughter was right around the Murray tournament um, for the South Carolina division. So I was like, well, that's probably not the best bet. So I was like, I'll just jump in these North Carolina divisions and we'll see what happens. They're relatively close and um, I always like to fish whenever I can, whenever they're around. So one thing led to another and I I started, I had some good finishes um, and I was up in contention for the points. So um, my wife, she went for a routine checkup right at the first of may may 2nd and uh she calls me one day and says so um we need to go to the doctor we're gonna have our our little girl today and this so it was a little bit of a surprise and um i think we had a tournament for the north carolina division that friday and this was on a tuesday so um luckily everything worked out great with the little girl and got a beautiful baby girl now and come the end of the week, my wife knew that I wanted to go fishing. So she, you know, she had her mom there, my mom there um, for support. And she said, just go fishing and um, have a good time. I drove up Friday night, spent the night in my truck, um, ended up finishing like 11th or 13th in that tournament. I had a decent finish for just showing up and going fishing and ended up moving up like a couple spots in the point. So it's been a pretty hectic year and I, I've got to say that things have just kind of worked my way this year. Um, I felt like, yeah, you, you, uh, you finished, I think, I mean, at least looking at the website, you finished 12th. So you were all around okay. it. And then had you won AOI before? Cause you finished, you know, 11th in the super tournament, which I have to imagine was pretty clutch, but I feel like AOI and in, in anything and, and especially in the BFLs where you have a, usually a pretty solid top flight of anglers in there like that's a pretty big achievement yeah and no i haven't won aoi before i think maybe the best i'd finished in aoi was 10th or so um 
and that's one thing that I was really more focused on than the regional going into the super tournament was that I just wanted to try to secure that AOI because that, you know, the cumulative of all the tournaments that not stumble in one or, or the other to have yeah, a good yeah. year, you know, I, I knew that was a pretty big achievement. So I wanted to accomplish that. And luckily, um, the first day of the super tournament, I had a good catch, um, that I think kind of sealed that up and uh, that just kind of let me go fishing the last day of the super tournament. So it, like I said, it's, it's been a good year for me. I feel like. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. Um, yeah. All right. Um, and you got a new boat too. It's one other thing before we got get too much into the nitty gritty. Like you were, were you swapping out boats somewhere like right around the super tournament or, or when did yeah. that happen? Because that's always an ordeal. So, um, Foothills Marine, they helped me out um, pretty significantly. Um, I initially had a Phoenix boat, and going into these tournaments, I was, you know, I wanted to update to make sure I had the contingency eligibility and that type of thing, um, which I think is a pretty big deal in, in that level for the amount of money that they're paying. Um, if you're in a, I think it's a less than three year old Phoenix. Um, so I think I ended up selling my boat. We had a tournament at High Rock around the end of June, and I ended up selling that boat and ordering a new boat and then rigging that boat all in that window right between June and the Super Tournament trying to get everything set up. So it's been – that took a lot of time. Um, it's always a lot of work to get reacclimated to a new boat, it seems like. Yeah, no doubt. What are you running now? So right now I'm running a 920 Elite, um, and okay, that's sweet. another thing. Like on the, when we get to the Potomac event, um, the last day we had some pretty pretty rough waters, and that I was fishing a pretty good ways away, so that allowed me to make a pretty good run to get to my fish and get back, and not have to worry about it. Nice, yeah. Now the Potomac can get super rough, and I remember I think I read you were fishing in a choir and i've made that run in good weather and i've made that run in some really bad weather and uh it's pretty sketch especially when you're like watching for crab pots and stuff the whole time too definitely so i've been in some rough water um i've been to erie and stuff like that and that was one of the topics of discussion the final day of the tournament um that was actually one of the things the tournament director called everybody there and, and asked you know, do we have any concerns and going and that type thing? And and you definitely had mixed feelings there. I think a lot of the field would would have been content if we didn't go, but a lot wanted to go. And um, you know, it was it was a pretty good run, um, but it wasn't bad. Um, and that's one thing that I was I didn't have a lot of experience on the Potomac. And they were talking, you know, when you get the combination of the tide and the wind working against each other that it can get really rough really quick. Um, so that was one of my concerns, but luckily it, it wasn't too bad, and we were able to get there safely and back. Nice. Well, I guess we're talking about the Potomac. So so tell me about it, because you hadn't been there that much before, and you had a pretty tough practice, but at the same time, you caught them pretty good on day one. You are sitting right in the hunt. Yeah. You caught them pretty good on day two. They're right in the hunt. And then you just blew the thing out of the water on day three. <laughs> so, like, you really, you may have had a tough practice, but you had a very good tournament. 
Yeah, I did. I had a very, very tough practice. Um, the first day of the tournament or the practice, I got up there, drove up early and got there and I fished and I'm, you know, around where we typically fish, we don't have a lot of grass and I got there and I was probably a little overwhelmed with the amount of grass that's there and, um, how to approach that. And then obviously, you know, there were some storms up there, I think the week before we week or two before with the Toyota series there um, that had stirred some things up and that type thing. And, and I fished for probably a better part of the day before I ever had a bite on Monday and I was starting to get a little discouraged. So the next day I went out on Tuesday and I was kind of looking around, trying some different areas, just trying to get a feel for the water and the grass and that type of thing. And again, it was a two bite day on Tuesday and I went out Wednesday and I had a bite pretty quick that morning doing something that I hadn't done and I tried to take that and expand upon it and then I got a couple bites so I I started to get a pretty good feel that I may know more so what water quality I needed to be looking for and the type of vegetation and that type of thing Um, and I took that and tried to expand upon it and just I really felt like going into the first day of the tournament, I may could catch 10 to 12 pounds, which I would have been somewhat satisfied with. I knew I would be, you know, kind of in the hunt with that. Um, and in the first day of the tournament, I caught 14 pounds relatively quickly. And then from that point, I kind of went out and started looking for some different areas um, and kind of expanding the area that I may feel like I could catch some um, for the, mainly the second day of the tournament. And then, you know, like you mentioned, I had 14 pounds the second day, and I felt like I was in contention to make it to the final day with that. Yeah. What were you doing those first two days? Were you doing the same, like, you know, were you able to do the same thing the whole time, or were you having to mix it up? Were you, like, I've seen on the Potomac before where, you know, some guys will run the whole river, some guys will sit down and they'll frog 100 yards for, you know, seven hours and then uh, crank the motor again (laughs) so the first day of the tournament um i definitely mixed it up a pretty good bit um i was you know throwing a frog throwing a worm some and i i mixed it up even some a different creek or two um the first day and then the second day um i felt like i had found a pretty good concentration of fish so at that point i just pretty much hammered on what i had found and um I did make a couple moves the second day, but most of my weight come from one spot. Okay. Like pulled down one cast or just one area? Pretty much one area. Um, I would say it was a hundred to 200 yard stretch. That was pretty, you know, and within that there were some, you know, particular places that I could replicate a bite. Um, but it was more so of an area than one specific cast. Yeah. It's cool on that place how many fish there can be on a small little stretch sometimes. When you, you combine the tide, moving things around, you've got grass. Like It's amazing what can be in a little area and then how vacant some place you know, 50 yards away can be. Yeah, I don't think I could have said that any better myself. And even the tide, I could tell the more I fished in this area, there was a sweet spot in the tide window. And I would kind of work the area that I was fishing, you know, kind of work myself 
around that window of tide to when I knew the sweet spot was to be in the best spot at the right time of the tide. That's, uh, that's cool. That's smart. Did that. So, you know, you get yourself honed in day one, day two, you're even more dialed in. How did the weather and how, just how did day three go down? Because you caught like 16 pounds is a really big day. Any day on the Potomac, you did it on the most important day. What? Right. How, how did that? How'd that play out? So, so day three, um, like I said, there was question with the weather and if we would even be able to go and that type thing. Um, when we first took off that morning, the weather wasn't that bad, um, so I made the run down to where I was fishing, and um, pretty much I could tell that they weren't quite biting as good as they had been but i felt like there were i was still in the right spot to catch enough to at least make it to the all-american and when i went out on day three that was my ultimate goal was making it to the all-american i knew in the back of my mind that i fished enough multi-day tournaments that there was a possibility that i could win if the guys ahead of me you know really stumbled but it wasn't i can't say you know my top priority as what i thought was obtainable um coming from five pounds behind on the Potomac. Yeah. So, um, you know, we fished in kind of the general vicinity that we had previously on the other days of competition. And I had, I think, four fish at around 11 or 11.30. And I could tell the wind was really starting to get up. And um, a lot of the other areas that I fished around um where i was at i could tell we're getting blown out and really stirred up that's one thing i had found that up there you know real stirred up water wasn't necessarily the best or i didn't feel like it was the best in my opinion so i made a made a decision we made a, a move to a more protected area and once i got there um we fished and i could tell there's a a significant difference of the lack of wind that was beating on this area where we went to and i was able to catch my fifth fish which was a small one and at this point we had about two hours left in the tournament and i was pretty much to the point where up there you know you couldn't really i had committed to that so that's what it was going to be and i had to make the best of it um so we kept fishing and uh, i caught one that was about three pounds and I thought, okay, now I've got a shot at making it All-American. And I think within about 45 minutes left of the tournament, I kept fishing. And um, I caught another one that was three or four pound range. And at that point, I kind of felt like I had a shot at maybe winning, um, but still didn't know. And we were getting pretty close to time to go in. So it was it was pretty well down to the wire as far as catching fish and stuff that it took to to win and have 16 pounds that's awesome did uh so those last two fish i guess did you um like had you fished there in practice like had you got bites there or was this just a literally a spur of the moment i'm gonna run somewhere else i need to find something else and you all your instincts put you in the right place it was kind of a, I need to find somewhere else, but it was a spot that I had fished in in practice. Um, and in practice, I didn't really get any bites in there, but I did notice that there was bait in there. The water clarity was good and there was good canopy. And um, 
the vegetation in there. So that's one thing that really led me back to that particular spot. I knew everything was right for fish to be there, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, it makes it makes perfect sense. That's cool. Uh, how, uh, you said, you know, I think you said you caught some on a frog and a creature bait. How, what was, what were your main players for you? Like, did you really mix it up or were you able to just lock one or two things in your hand? No, um, the first two days I, I had, um, mainly a frog and a worm and I was doing some flipping with a zoom baby brush hog okay. and River on classic. the, on the, uh, third day, pretty much the same baits, but I did mix in a chatterbait and caught one good fish on a chatterbait the last day. That was a key, key fish. Nice. Nice. I mean, that's all like Potomac staples right there. You know, it's not, I feel like it's interesting that Potomac, there's so many little nuances to it, but the same sort of stuff and sometimes the exact same stuff wins there over and over and over again. I guess a lot of lakes are like that, but it's just interesting there that it feels like some of those just dominant baits uh, stick out year after year, even more than other things. I think that's definitely a good point. And one thing that I was going to say is, you know, the Potomac is as big of a fishery as that it is. It's still, I think it gets a ton of pressure. I could, in, you know, the first two days of competition, you could just watch one boat would pull off a stretch and another boat would pull on a stretch. And so when, in seeing that, I just tried to fish really thoroughly in the areas that I was fishing that I felt like there were, you know, a good concentration of fish because there was just so much pressure um, on all the areas that I felt like were decent places to, to get some bites. Yeah, yeah. No, no doubt. Did you, that, that weigh-in, you know, you said you thought you might have won. Did you find out pretty quickly into weigh-in that you were going to win? Like, was this a th- situation where everybody started to talk and you're like, oh, yeah, I got this? Or did, I can't believe it? Or or was it a deal where you really did have to wait till the very end because, yeah, you had a good bag, but, you know, you weren't in the position to just know you'd locked it down, you know? I think it was more of I had to wait to the very end. Um, just once, I think it really, you know, I thought I had a shot. Um, Chris Baldwin, he weighed in, and he was, you know, he ended up finishing second, and he was the closest one to me, and I thought, oh, well, you know, he had a pretty good bag. If I held him off, maybe I can hold the rest of these guys off. And But it was still, once it got to his I think he was fourth going into yep. the last day. Once it got down to the final three, that's when it was like, um, you know, I may have a shot at this thing. And I was trying to look at their bags and, of course, try to judge how much weight they would have and that type of thing. But um, it was, like I said, just wait to the end and see. Nice. Um, well, this is a little, it's probably a little early in the process to ask this, but have you, because, you know, you've got the All-American next year. I assume that's going to be a pretty big priority for you, um, especially because it's not too far from the house. It seems like the kind of thing could be in your wheelhouse. But, like, you know, you talked about fishing more. Are you trying to make a career at this? Are you trying to take this to the next level? Or can we just count on, you know, Jason Barnes to be uh, whooping it up in the BFLs for the next five or ten years? Like, what's 
Have you thought about changing anything? Yeah, I don't think I would try to make a full-time career out of fishing. Um, I think I would like to try to fish the Toyota series or something of that magnitude at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, With the All-American coming up, I I may concentrate on that more so this year coming up than to try to branch out. And my thing is, is, you know, you've got three tournaments with the Toyota series, but I like to fish. If there's a tournament, a BFL close by, I want to be in it. So I only have so much time, and I'll probably just concentrate more so on the BFLs uh, for the next year or so and try to work eventually up to making the Toyota Series work out somehow. Yeah, because you don't fish, like, you fish, you know, the North Carolina division a lot, but you also definitely jump around. And if there's it, you're in that sweet spot of the country where honestly there might be too many BFLs. Uh, I think you could argue, (laughs) Uh, but you have a lot of opportunity to like drive a few hours and fish a bass tournament if you want to, for sure. For sure. That's like, like you say, that's probably a problem for me because you know, the South Carolina division, the regional next year goes to Kerr Lake and that's probably one of my most favorite lakes. Um, so so that's you and Tyler intense. Trent are fishing the South Carolina division next year. <laughs> I'm sure Tyler Trent will be fishing the South Carolina division. Um, Alrighty. I can't guarantee that I would do very well at Kerr Lake, but I still like the fish there probably more than anywhere else around here. It's just, I like that it's a big body of water and typically you can go up there and have a nice catch when you're there. Yeah, no, uh, no doubt about it. Um, is your home lake Norman? I would say between Lake Norman and High Rock. Um, I spend more time at High Rock during the summer months and probably more at Lake Norman in the wintertime. Makes sense. Pretty well equally spaced between those two. Um, Cool. Yeah. I fish both of those places. They're cool. They're cool lakes. And obviously, I mean, it's the Carolinas, so there's tons of docks. But, like, I feel like both of them have a lot of other stuff you can do to kind of hone in on and get good at other than there not really being any grass, but right. you can't have, not everywhere has grass. You can just go to the Potomac and win with grass. No problem. <laughs> that's, that's one downfall. Um, we don't have a lot of grass in the lakes that are, you know, right near us. Um, but we do have a lot of docks and that's one thing I like to fish is docks. I bet you do. Uh, <laughs> I, you you said your daughter was Willow, right? Yes. I bet that she already, can skip a dock with a bait caster <laughs> my wife can uh she's pretty good with a bait caster at this point so i'm sure will is going to be on the same program i love to hear it that's what i that's exactly what i want to see <laughs> well jason dude it's been a pleasure talking with you um and obviously i want to wish you good luck next year at the all-american but is there anything else um you want to mention or plug like do you have some social media do you have anything that you should point us to um not in particular. Um, the biggest thing I would say is I'd like to give a shout out to Phoenix Boats for all their help in Foothills Marine and uh, my wife and family for all their support. If it weren't for them, I wouldn't be able to, to do it because they've stood behind me for a long time. And, uh, you know, that's that's probably the biggest thing. Nice. Well, uh, Jason, dude, congratulations on the win. And uh, we'll see you at Cherokee here next summer. Alrighty, and we are joined now by Cody Carl. He got the win in the BFL Regional 
at Lake Eufaula in Oklahoma. Uh, Cody, uh, I guess first of all, congratulations, and second, dude, what an amazing tournament. I cannot wait to dive into this. It's nuts. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Uh, it was a, a whirlwind for sure. Uh, what did it feel like to win? Because um, from what I read, you, I don't think, got a bite in practice and turned it around like in a huge uh, way. Yeah, uh, I was down there for a solid three and a half days of practice, and I could not find a keeper bite. I could find short fish. Basically anything I wanted to do, I could go catch a short fish, but I could not find a keeper bite. Uh, I, have, I was pretty discouraged and let down and ready to pack it up. But I told myself just put my head down and go do what I do. All right. Well, let's. I, I guess we'll talk tournament here because you. Uh, it's it's you follow. There had just been an NPFL event, so you guys had like, you know, you could look and see what happened in that tournament a little bit. But at the same time, it sounded like it was fishing so tough that it's almost hard to, you know, it's almost hard to gauge when it's that bad. You know. So what a. Uh, what was your theory going out on day one, not having caught a keeper? Like, did you have a, uh, did you have a plan? Uh, not really. Uh, I spent a lot of my time in practice trying to find that offshore bite that I thought was going to be a ticket to win. And, uh, I couldn't really find anything that I knew I could go catch a keeper bite off or even get bit off of. Uh, day one, uh, I'm a dock fisherman. Uh, I just took off and said, I'm going to take this section of the lake and I'm just going to flip docks all day long and hope to get three or four bites knowing that it was fishing so tough. Uh, if I could catch seven, eight, nine pounds, I wasn't going to lose it on the first day and put myself in a spot to, if I figured something out to make a move. Okay. And then, uh, I guess kind of on that first day, you figured something out. Tell Tell me about, like, finding this magical dock. Uh, I just ran in a lake, and I just started hitting uh, channel swing banks that had docks on them, something I was comfortable with. And just, it was probably 1 o'clock, one fifteen. just having to pull up this isolated dock in this pocket just inside of the point, and it just set up perfectly. Uh, I I never turned my live scope on, never did anything because I knew the lake was fishing tough and I didn't want to blow anything that, you know, if I'm up close and personal trying to flip a, flip a fish that, uh, I wouldn't have spooked anything. So I had no idea what was under the dock. Um, I just started flipping it, got bit. And fortunately within probably 30 minutes or so, I had four fish in the boat and it was time to go. <laughs> I'm in a, I was in an 18 foot nitro boat that, with that wind on you follow it's it's not not real comfortable of a ride back so i uh told my co-hunger we gotta pack it up and we gotta head back unfortunately one fish short wow so you're you're fishing this dock for a half an hour to get four right. bites off of it once you yep. why didn't you get like one bite and then just go to the next dock like you could have just passed this dock and never realized what it was almost you know what i mean like what kept you there yeah. honestly it was the first keeper bot i caught and i had and i just I, I told myself you know what you're not getting bit work this thing over and make sure there's nothing else on it 
before you move on. Did you uh, did you turn your line? Because from what I sort of read, like there's, you know, you've got bait, you've got bass. Like it ended up like this was a really magical thing. Like, did you did you turn your scope on after you caught a couple and be like, oh, look at this? Or even then, did you did you not really know what you had by the end of the day? No, honestly, I never turned it on once in, in the three in the three tournament days. Um, I picked it apart, just dragging dragging a brush hog with three quarter ounce tucks of weight on it. And after fishing it, you know, for that thirty minutes, and then having to go back, I really slowed down once I got there the second day, and just really felt the bottom more or less, and didn't rush anything, and just kind of picked it apart, and you know, mentally, you know, just visualizing what's underneath there. No kidding, that's cool. Yeah. And you caught him again on day two, but even better. Yes. Um, the bait, uh, the bait on day two uh, was really showing itself on the surface, and uh, the fish weren't necessarily schooling at all, uh, but the bait was very visible the second day. Okay. Are you? Uh, are is uh, Lake of the Ozarks like your home lake, or what's your what's your home pond? I consider Lake of the Ozarks my home lake. Um, okay. I actually live on a private lake, uh, just 30 minutes east of Kansas City, Lake Lattawanna. All right, sweet. So you're definitely though, if you're if Lake of the Ozarks is home, like you're really, you're really comfortable with docks, obviously. But also, like I've been there a few times in the fall, and you can really tell sometimes just the activity level of an area, or just by the shad, because they'll be. Some yes, they'll be almost everywhere, but then some places just even more so. You know, like you can roll if you roll into a pocket and there's not shad, like that's probably a bad sign. But when you roll into them and there are shad, like you, it might go down. You know. Yeah, uh, Lake of the Ozarks is kind of weird with that kind of thing. Um, sometimes you pull into a pocket and there's too much bait, and people get caught up with chasing that bait, and it's just there's too much of it. You can't get bit. So necessarily pulling in a pocket that doesn't have the amount of bait in it as the last one or whatever is it's not always a bad thing. Yeah. Um, what about day three? You went out. Were you in the lead going into? No, you were in second going yeah. into the final day. Uh, yeah. Ian in front of you, like he's a you know pretty veteran angler. He's you've both caught nine fish every day you're going up he's going down like did you what did you think about the day like were you like i'm gonna go to this dock and i'm gonna win this tournament or were you thinking like oh holy crap i hope there's a fish left on this dock <laughs> uh yeah uh, more the latter part of that um i i told my calling we're leaving because we had that big cold front roll in it was 40 degrees in the morning we took off on the third day and i looked at him and i told him i was like man we're going to go beat this dock to death and we may catch small or we may not catch anything. I've, I'm kind of beat it up and I wasn't sure that the fish would have held on there with the cold front that we had. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we rolled up there and then the third cast caught a five pounder and kind of looked at him and grinned and said, it's on. So by nine thirty, I had a limit pushing 18 pounds. Man, that is incredible. Like that, I don't want to call it just luck, right? Because sometimes it just takes a while to figure a thing out, right? Right. But it's like, 
it's just one of the most like it, it's an improbable tournament story, right? Like, and yeah. some of that is just like what keeps us coming back to bass fishing, you know? Like that kind of stuff can happen. It must have been just incredible to be a part of. Uh, it was a pretty cool like feeling, pretty surreal. And to touch back on Ian, you know, he was leading the day going into by seven ounces and I, I knew he was going to go out and catch him. I just had that gut feeling of if I don't come in with 14, 15 pounds, I'm not going to have a chance at this. So, um, that was, that was part of the, part of my stress level of going into the third, third day there to take off. But, um, yeah, just to, just to settle down and relax. And after that first fish I caught and to know that, you know, the fish are there and we're going to catch them. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. Um, as far as this dock goes, like, set it out for me. Like, are we talking about a super deep dock, a super shallow dock? Like, was there brush around it? Was it just rock under it? Like, what, what exactly made this thing so special? I don't need a waypoint, but, I mean, if you want to say a waypoint, that'd be dope. But I, I'm just <laughs> really curious, like, if we, if there's any full reason about why it was so good you know yeah uh it just kind of sat like i said it sat just inside of a, a point and it kind of like a little choke down i mean there's a small secondary on either side and it it just sat just perfectly and the, the bait were, was funneling up in there there was no brush underneath it um one side of the dock was probably in eight to nine foot of water and it just gradually sloped off with a little rock shelf um, down to about 13 or 14 foot and I, I couldn't really catch anything on the deep side. Um, in my in my mind, I'm sitting there thinking, I know they're there, um, but I couldn't get them to bite. I could only catch them on that one side of the dock where they decided they wanted to move up on that little rock shelf and eat. No kidding. And you were throwing a three-quarter ounce Texas Rig brush hog. Why so heavy? No, it was a, a three-eighths. Three, oh, three-eighths. Three, okay. I thought you said yeah. three-quarter earlier, and I was like, I got to ask about that. That's insane. But... You pr- I probably just heard it wrong, but okay, three eighths brush hog, just dragging it on the bottom. Did you ever throw yep. anything else? Uh, no. <laughs> I, I was staying with some buddy, staying with some buddies in Airbnb. They go, "What are you doing tomorrow?" I'm like, "I'm gonna retie that water on right there," and that was it. Wow. All I wonder is like, what if you threw an A rig past it or something? Like, what if all of a sudden you could have been like tripling up? But at the same time, like you didn't need to. You won the tournament. Like, who cares? <laughs> um, yeah. That's amazing. Oh. Yeah, I just, I, I couldn't, the way they were, I mean, I was working this bait super, super, super slow, and I just didn't feel like they were active enough to really chase something, so I never even bothered, bothered with it. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And, like, you definitely, you know, by the time you fish a spot for three days, you're, like, you're in tune with that. I mean, I would imagine that you, like, basically new individual rocks you knew when you might get hung up you knew when you might not like you probably like you've, yeah. you probably understood that dock better than like anyone has ever understood a dock before in their life yeah i spent some time with it we got pretty close <laughs> that's awesome um man uh congratulations dude so you. you uh you won a regional last year as co-angler now you win this as a boater. You told me you're you're actually going to keep this boat. This is the one that this is going to be your, you know, your boat for, I guess, uh, 
2020, you know, 2024 and maybe beyond. Um, mm-hmm. Who you, but you said you were borrowing a boat this year. Who was nice enough to loan you a boat for an entire BFL season? Because like that's kind of a lot of tournaments, uh, a lot of time yeah. where he wouldn't be fishing out of his boat. Yeah, uh, just a good good buddy of mine. We've been friends for a long time. I've I've bought a house from him, and he lives down the street from me, and we've just been really tight. And he told me a long time ago that you know I'm buying this boat for you. You know. Um, you know, that sounds kind of cliche or whatever you want to call it, but he's just one of those guys that he'd, he'd do anything for anybody, and he wanted me to go do this and gave me reins to it, and I went and did it. That's awesome. That's super cool. What uh, Obviously, you got the All-American coming up, um, which, mm-hmm. you know, you've uh, you fished it as a co-angler. Are you pretty hyped to fish it as a boater now? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like there's a little chip on my shoulder. Uh, just being the first year, I'm going to ride a wave, you know, um, whatever happens, happens, but I let it get away from me a little bit last year as a co-angler on the first day. And, and uh, I, I just got a little chip on my shoulder. I want to go prove to everybody that I, I can do this and see where it gets me. Okay. I mean, man, I, I mean, how do you, uh, tell me about that. How do you let it get away from you as a, a co-angler on day one? Because like, it's not, I mean, it wasn't an easy tournament by any means, and you could you could draw like your draw does affect a lot of things uh, yeah. when it comes to being a co-angler. Uh, I I got a draw that he was actually doing something I was really comfortable doing. You know, Hartwell doesn't have any docks on it at all, but he was fishing very shallow. Um, he was really picking things apart, and I've been a co-angler so. I know how I kind of treat the guy in the back of the boat with me. And I was really disappointed my guy in the last day, you know, missed some opportunities and he didn't get the win also. But I was doing things that as a conger, you know, that you have to take a chance. You have to cast places that he's not. And they are probably less than, you know, 10%, 15% of you. If you get bit, you're going to get that fish in over cables or, whatever it may be, if he's turning the boat away over logs, through trees, throwing a buzz bait. And, you know, the I got hooked up and I just couldn't get in the boat. You know, either I drag him over a limb or I don't, or we can get to the fish or we can't. Um, just one of those chances you got to take as a co-angler. Uh, knowing it's a very high uh, risk-reward situation. Fair enough. Yeah. I, uh, I remember one thing about uh, you know, Brian knew back when he was fishing the FLW tour as a co-angler was that guy. I mean, dude, he could make any cast, any time, backhand, forehand. Like if you, you could give him the worst possible setup and he would put a bait in there and like that's, mm-hmm. and sometimes it doesn't come back out, but that's a huge thing about being a really good co-angler and I guess yeah, you, you had a lot. You had a situation where a lot of times it didn't come back out. It didn't work. <laughs> yeah, whether it had the fish on it or not, as a co-angler, you gotta you gotta take a chance. You know, you gotta be prepared to lose baits. Um, you know, some a lot of guys won't turn around and go get you unhung. Um, you can't have that in the mind. Can't have that mindset uh, going throughout the day. You have to do different things and put them put the bait where nobody else is putting it. Hmm. How about uh? you know, this coming year, what's, uh, what's the plan? Is it Ozark division again? Are you 
going to try to branch out and fish uh, even more. I mean, these last two years now, you've definitely, like, you've put a little, like, you've got a little cushion as far as tournament money goes, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do. Uh, I took a lot of it last year, paid off the truck, put a big portion of it towards the house and stuff like that. But uh, I I don't know. Um, I'm going to fish definitely the Ozark Division, and we'll see if we can um, maybe pop into a couple of Toyota Series events. Nice. I, I meant to ask earlier, but what do you what do you do for a living? Like, what's uh what's life like when you're not uh you know winning a BFL? Because you do that all the time, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I try to. Um, I'm a union electrician here in Kansas City. Okay, cool. Good deal. That's uh essential work, basically. There's probably not enough of you. Yeah, well, not enough of us all the time, anyway. We'll put it that way. Good deal. Um. Cool. Uh, well, I guess uh, before I let you go, man, is there anything uh, you want to, anything else that we missed? Uh, anything you want to plug? Uh, any family or anything you want to thank? Because uh, it's a super cool win. You know, you're going to the All-American and, you know, I guess just congratulations for me. I appreciate it. Uh, no, just friends and family. Uh, my fiance, my daughter, my dad who put a fishing rod in my hand at age of who knows when, when I could barely walk. Um, obviously my buddy down the street here, Jason Estes, that, uh, when I was way to give me a boat for the year and, you know, the love and support that those people give me is, uh, more than anybody could ever give you, whether it be a sponsorship or whatever it may be. Awesome. Well, uh, Cody, thanks so much for the time, man. Uh, congrats on the win. And uh, I guess we'll see you at the all American here next summer. I'm excited for it. Thank you very much.